Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the GeoMob podcast. My guest today is Julia Wagemann, who is here to tell us all about what's happening in the world of Earth observation. Julia, welcome to the show. Wonderful to have you here. Um, I'm excited about this because this is a topic that we hear a lot about. There are many, many things happening in the industry, but we don't, uh, I, speaking for myself, it's it's not something I keep close tabs on and I, and I don't have a good handle on all the exciting things happening there. So it's great to have an expert. Um, why don't we start first, though, before we dive into Earth observation, please give us, introduce yourself and give us your background, exactly what it is you do in this space. Yes, hi, Ed, and thanks for inviting me and having me at the GeoMob podcast. Uh, yeah, as you said, my name is Julia Wagemann. I'm working currently as a consultant, uh, working across strategy, innovation, and user engagement of Earth observation data. I got first introduced about remote sensing and Earth observation data at university, and, once, and then after I graduated uh, from my master's in 2014, I uh, went to work for one year at the European Space Agency in, uh, in Italy and then joined the European Center for Medium-Range Weather Forecasts uh, for three years, which is headquartered in, uh, in Reading in the United Kingdom. And so uh, for the past eight years, uh, I would say I've been working in the intersection between data providers and users aiming to make large volumes of Earth observation data better accessible and used. Very nice. Okay, so it sounds like you're exactly the, the person we need here to, to give us um, the overview. Um, why don't we start with, with uh, an observation from me, which is that, you know, having worked in the geo space now for over a decade, I would say, and then having run GeoMob and stuff, uh, you know, very occasionally we'd always hear about uh, uh, satellite imagery providers or whatever, and, and this would come up as a topic. But it feels like in the last three or four years, there's just been an explosion of activity in this space. Um, and, and all of a sudden, everyone's talking about Earth observation. So why is that? What, what, what has changed? Have we, have, is, have we crossed some kind of tipping point or what's happening? Yeah, your observation is absolutely right. So uh, I think for, for a couple of years, uh, we also can say that we actually live currently in the golden age for Earth observation data. And what is changing or uh, what, what, where we are now is that um, we have an unprecedented amount of data, Earth observation data openly available and also every day, multiple terabytes of, uh, of Earth observation data are additionally uh, added uh, to, to the data archives. So, and the, the big change, I would say, was the introduction of a open data policy, which started in two, say, 2008 when uh, the USGS, the United States Geological Survey, opened up the Landsat archives. So before 2008, you needed to pay for each individual satellite uh, scene from the Landsat uh, satellite. And uh, after 2008, these data were then uh, just openly available and everyone, um, every researcher, but also companies uh, could, could, uh, could use them. And this immensely increased the use and uptake of Landsat data at that time. 
And then, of course, certainly here in Europe, um, a, a big game changer is Copernicus, the Earth Observation Program from the European Commission. And since 2014, when Copernicus started, um, six new satellite constellations were launched. And also all the data that is, uh, is, is coming from Copernicus is also made, being made available under a full free and open uh, data license. And now we are in a, yeah, in, a, in a state where we have petabytes of Earth observation data freely available, just waiting for us to be used and analyzed. Okay, so this really is the case of that the, we have access to a resource that we never had before, and and so now all of a sudden it's there. Um, so what, like, what is this data? It's it's just kind of images of of land, or it's other types of like like take us through what types of data we can kind of get, and and how do I actually go about accessing it? It's on some some website somewhere that anyone can get to, or I have to go through some kind of I have to register to get it, or how do I how do I get started? Yeah, so maybe I start first what, what, what we mean with Earth observation data. And, uh, and, and I would say also often people equate Earth observation data with data coming from satellites, but I would even, I would put it in a bit broader. And uh, in principle, the term Earth observation refers to data and information collected about planet Earth, so whether it is data related to atmosphere, to ocean, or, or land, uh, uh, land and terrestrial uh, data. And so uh, the term Earth observation data is, is, is satellites, includes satellite data, but not only, and it also includes ground-based or in-situ data. And I would even also say to get a full picture of what is happening on, on our planet Earth, uh, we also have to integrate uh, model-based data, so data uh, coming from weather models and climate uh, models to also better understand uh, what is actually happening okay. in the future. And and this data that we're getting, it's it's usually in a raw format, or has it been processed and cleaned up somehow, or or how do I? Um... And again, what what kind of formats are we talking about? It's like in a, 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 a like actual images or, or some sort of like CSVs or something that I can then apply to my own models? Or how do I, how do I think about this? Uh, yeah, I think uh, diversity is here uh, a really buzzword. So it's, uh, it, it, so you, you, you mentioned CSV, but if we talk about satellite data, so we talk really about image data. So yeah. um, we have different formats and this is also one of the challenges. So that data come in different formats and also on different processing levels. So if we talk about satellite data, we have different processing steps. So the raw data from the satellites, which is uh, on, on level one, and we need a lot of pre-processing steps to actually uh, use the data. Um, but then there's also, uh, especially under Copernicus and also in the Earth observation domain, many efforts at the moment to provide uh, products from the satellites. So on, on level two, so, for example, um, data on um, on uh, on aerosols, so uh, to better track and monitor air quality. So um, on level two, we we retrieve geophysical variables, but also level three data, which is then already data that have been harmonized and brought onto a regular grid. 
which also allows to analyze very long time series from the past um, to better understand and also what's going to happen and how the, the how processes change. Okay. So I guess I guess then the next question of what, what is the implication of this? I mean, I guess until now we've had uh, you know, there's been a lot of effort of like, how can we get this data? You know, be, be it launching the satellites or, or creating the data processing to make it available or whatever. But now all of a sudden we have the data and, and everyone has the data, not just uh, governments or, or big companies or whatever. Everyone can access the data. So, so what does that mean for the geospatial industry and what, what are we expecting now to happen? Yeah, uh, so I would say one implication, especially with this open uh, data, as you said, that because the data is now in principle available for everyone, the, the Earth observation domain is much more dynamic. So we see, so if we, before um, having the data openly available, uh, the, the, the core user base of the data were public uh, organizations and researchers and scientists. And now, we see a much more diverse uh, user base. Uh, so it's not only researchers, but also uh, users who are maybe not necessarily experts and coming from a remote sensing background and who are interested in using the data for new applications for insurance, for example, or renewable energy. So there are also many new uh, business and industry uh, branches that, uh, that that see and start seeing the value of Earth observation data, and this also br brings us then because uh, the data is is, uh, is is openly available that we also have new business models came up. So um, not so uh, there are now companies they provide value added data. So based on the these raw data coming from the satellites, they now provide value added data as a service or they provide a platform as a service. So they bring different Earth observation data together um, and this helps then other users and end users also to, uh, to retrieve the information and knowledge they, they actually need for um, decision making and, and policies. So, so I guess we're we're really kind of seeing the start of an ecosystem around all this data and all, with with many different players and um, at all different levels. You know, it'd be a, uh, startups, be a uh, public, you know, public company, public organizations, researchers. Um, Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we can really, uh, yeah, talk about yeah, it's like a a very diverse ecosystem of uh, people being involved with Earth observation data, either on a commercial side or providing data or um, yeah, adding value to data. Um, so yeah, it's a, very, it's, a, it's a very exciting time to be in the Earth observation domain. Well, so for listeners, you know, we have many listeners who have a kind of traditional GIS background or geospatial background. What is the best way for them to get involved in this ecosystem? Where, where, where should they start looking or how, how, what kind of organizations can they join or what kind of projects are there? Where can, how can they dip their toes in the water? Yeah, so, so in, in, in general, I would say um, if, if you have a GIS background, so um, of course there's this, uh, you, you, 
you know probably already uh, the, the, the big players in the field. So uh, I would say it's the data providers. So uh, European Space Agency, uh, the European Center for Medium Range Weather Forecasts, uh, UNETSAT in Europe, but there's, then in, in the US it's NASA and USGS. Um, there is also a lot of training content um, out there um, online for free. So um, these, especially Copernic, under Copernicus, there's also um, yeah, new training courses available, like just uh, at the end of last year, a massive open online course on artificial intelligence uh, for Earth monitoring has been released. So this uh, would be a good starting point to know uh, what what is going on so to get an overview of the data but then also to see um, which applications are, um, uh, are yeah can be can be done with this data uh, then also about new, it's all about new, um, really increasing the uptake and use of data so uh, there are also um, some developer uh, innovation programs um, um, out sorry Maybe I uh, say it again. Oh, that's fine. So yeah, there is, yeah, and then there is also uh, all about really now bringing this massive amounts of data to the users, and uh, so a lot of there is also, for example, a developer program which is about uh, developing open source software and bringing innovation in in the in a. In, to have new innovative uses of data. Um, and for example, ECMWF has uh, such a developer program, which is called ECMWF Summer of Weather Code. But um, yeah, so there's, uh, I, I, I always recommend people also to go on Twitter and follow these accounts like Copernicus. And because then you get, and if you just scroll through it once a day, you get already a very nice overview on what's happening and then gradually you also build up um, and getting a, a better overview of who who else is involved in this domain okay yeah I, I I'm pretty active on Twitter and I can I can confirm there's a, the, there's a lot going on there there's a, a ton of but in some ways that can also be a bit overwhelming for the beginner I think because it's it's difficult to like to drink from the fire hose you know um, so uh, anyway, it's, it's great to hear that there are all these uh, training resources coming, coming, uh, being produced and coming out. And um, so, so what is the bottleneck now? Like, is it going to be the case that we're going to? I mean, I, I, I hear that there are all these. You know, the cost of launching a satellite gets lower and lower. And are there just going to be more? And is it is it just a race to produce ever more data? So it's always fresher, and we're just going to drown in the sea of data. Or is it more? We need to work on. Uh, getting value out of the data or is the the bottleneck on the business side of learning how to commercialize this data like what what do you see there what's what where are we on all that yeah i i think uh, exactly you it, it's we can't we can't just define one bottleneck and i would maybe just say okay we have on different aspects there are challenges we we have to work on uh, and so, yeah, you, you already mentioned that basically we have now this, uh, this unprecedented amount of data. 
um, and it is it is added daily. We we the the data volumes that is available uh, is increased by terabytes of data. So I think just under Copernicus, the the numbers also change, but it's around 12 terabytes or even more every day that is is added uh, that that can be can be used. And so um, what we now have to also make sure that okay we have these data um, which are really petabytes of data, how to really bring this data also to the users, because we can't uh, think about making, uh, think about downloading petabytes of data because no one can actually store these petabytes of data somewhere. So we have to find ways to, that, that users don't download data anymore, but the users go to, to the data and process them where they sit um, on, um, um, on, on the data archives. And so data accessibility, I would say, is at a moment a big challenge. And, um, there, and this is now why we also see the, emer the emergence of cloud-based services. So uh, the commercial data companies like Amazon and Google are there and they provide commercial clouds also for Earth observation data. So Amazon Web Services and Google Cloud Platform. But also in Europe, we have um, quite a few community clouds that have been developed under Copernicus, like the Copernicus Via System Wikio or the European Weather Cloud. So there is a lot of, a, a lot of dynamic in really trying also to bring the users uh, to, to, to process the data on the cloud and not on their local machines. But this is also a paradigm change for users working with, uh, that have been working with Earth observation data for a longer time. It's really a paradigm change on uh, also changing the modality, how they work. And, uh, but then of course also another big bottleneck is also we have different types of data, as I said at the beginning. And so mm -hmm. at the moment they are stored in different data silos. So we have model-based data in one data archive and then uh, the Copernicus data are in different data archives. And so also bringing in a lot of applications, they actually, their core is bringing different types of data together. And so uh, there is also the attempt uh, to, to bring these different data together on analysis platforms um, like Google Earth Engine is here, um, a, big, a big name um, that started quite early um, and, and making data or Earth observation data better accessible, but also data cubes, um, which uh, develop, uh, yeah, which harmonize different types of data for a specific thematic application or regional a domain to make it easier to, to analyze data. And then on, uh, yeah, also on basically what you said, basically th th this is another, um, so first is, yeah, getting the data to the users or you bringing users to the data. And then of course also using the data. So extracting value um, out of it. And a big, a, a big, uh, um, yeah, a, a big, push also under Copernicus is of course also the, the idea, there is a lot of potential to develop uh, co commercial products and uh, to develop businesses out of it because data is also called the, the, the new oil. So, uh, but yeah, there is also a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of interest, uh, but this is, I would say also a challenge to still also uh, develop sustainable business models um, out based on data.
any any uh, startups or companies that you think uh, listeners should be particularly keeping an eye on, or any what, what like what are some applications that that uh, you know you personally think are just really cool and interesting, and that that we should maybe take a peek out. So, so one 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 company is uh, Planet, and uh, Planet is a startup which uh, produces or operates a fleet of uh, small satellites, so very cost-efficient uh, uh, satellites, um, and they bring uh, very detailed uh, satellite images, so it's around three meters of resolution. So this is like very a game-changer as well, and uh, so Planet is a very interesting company to watch, uh, but then... Also, like, yeah, in Berlin, there's another company, it's called Up42, who provide more uh, data analysis services and, uh, and uh, value-added services based on this data. Um, and, and then there's a lot of small uh, startups, they now develop products such as apps, like, for example, to develop an app um, that helps you to monitor the air quality in your city. Okay, so so basically, uh, what what I find interesting about the air quality one is, I mean, I guess for some people, maybe if they're like a, and have breathing difficulties or something, they need an air quality app. But I could see that being integrated into many apps. Like it's more the case that you you integrate that into your running app or something like that, you know. And so, you know, is that the case that we're people are increasingly going to be taking the data that Earth Observation provides to us and embedding it in many, many different use cases. Um, you know, are you seeing that type of behavior or? or... Uh, exactly. So um, I, I I think, yeah, the, the, um, how we say, like the data uh, will will come to, to, to private people who may be not involved in the Earth observation domain in, in ways which you... Don't, don't think of. So uh, similar to what Google Maps, so Google Maps brought maps and also uh, uh, geospatial data to, to almost, yeah, to the society, uh, to almost anyone um, on the world. And so the same will also happen with Earth observation data. So they, they come closer to such society in form of apps and that inform you about uh, about something so but this is will be not the raw satellite images but like retrieved information and knowledge out of this uh, data okay very nice well so um that's all very exciting uh, and 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 uh, there's a lot of cool stuff going on there i did but in, in leading up to this interview though i did email a few people and asked them what questions i should ask you so what what you know, and, and these are typically people who are not that, you know, not on the cutting edge of what's happening in the space. So and one question came back twice, actually, from two different people, which was when will we have real time satellite imagery of the entire world? Are we close to that or is that going to you know, is that still are we far away from that? Well, real time, I would say there is, for example, UMITSAT operates uh, metrological uh, satellites and they already provide every 15 minutes uh, a, a, a scan from um, almost uh, the entire world. Of the whole world, but not at high resolution. I, I mean, sorry, I should have yeah, clarified. Yeah, high, I mean, like. High uh, resolution, uh, no, but, but what I said, like, planet is uh, they, they, they really go down already to three meters, and there is also other startups. They, of course, this is a, also a big uh, race um, with, with companies to, to make it even more detailed. 
and we are not 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 too too bad i would say so like planet data they are have a three meter resolution and uh now there are also attempts to really come or try to to get it to to even sub meter res spatial resolution so um it is getting better and um an another 10 years there will be a lot of new developments and also for example there's a new European Commission funded initiatives coming initiative coming up destination earth and they are they aim to develop a high precision model of the earth to model monitor and simulate uh, uh, many many processes and also related human activities and there uh, they uh, bring or they aim to bring down weather forecasting from 9 kilometers to 1 kilometer so this is this this is really something uh, 10 years ago people never have dreamt of and so there there is really uh, a lot of dynamic and in 10 years time we will yeah probably it will yeah it, it will be normal to to have uh, these resolutions that's crazy that i mean isn't that amazing to think of how how quickly it's advancing and how uh, i mean think i mean that's pure science fiction kind yeah, of uh, yeah. coming <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if you think of ten years ago, then people really would have thought, okay, this is not possible. And so, yeah, now we we really, uh, yeah, are already on these barriers and also moving be beyond these barriers, which we thought um, they they are not there. We, we can't go beyond them ten years ago. Okay, well, um, then I guess the takeaway message for all the listeners out there is: this is a very exciting dynamic space that a lot of things are happening and that everyone should start getting involved. And, and so as we kind of wrap up, what, what would be your recommendation to listeners? What's the best place for them if they want to stay on top of kind of what's happening in the space? I mean, I know there's the, uh, the scene from above podcast, which I recommend to everyone, which provides kind of a good kind of weekly summary, but anything else are there, are there, is there any kind of, certain website or mailing list or what's the best way for people to start to stay abreast of what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. As I said, like Twitter is really uh, a good, good starting point uh, and to follow all these initiatives. So I would definitely follow Copernicus, but it can be also a bit overwhelming uh, because it's like, it's a, it's a, there are a lot of resources out there. Uh, yeah, maybe to, to get started really with uh, key data providers, Copernicus, I would say, then uh, these new initiatives like uh, Destination Earth, because uh, this will play a major role. And I can also link some initiatives um, I think, or I definitely will keep an eye on. So uh, they, they, they yeah, they, they will definitely play a big uh, part. So uh, like... Uh, if we talk about platforms, Google Earth Engine, Microsoft's planetary computer, but also data cubes, there's this open data cube initiative. Pangeo is a very nice project that uh, exactly tries to bring everything together. So cloud computing data, but then also open source uh, softwares. Uh, Jupyter Notebooks, um, it's like also a game changer how uh, people will process and analyze uh, data. Uh, so this is also something I would recommend. Um, yeah, so there is a lot and I'm, I'm happy also to link uh, to these initiatives. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, if you could, if you could um, get me some of those links and I'll make sure they get in the show notes so that people can, can check them out. Um, 
exciting, a very exciting space. So um, I appreciate you coming along to talk with us today, Julia. If if the conversation has raised questions for people, what's the best way for, for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, via Twitter, LinkedIn, or email. So uh, I think these are the channels. And yeah, uh, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. Any closing thoughts? Anything to, to leave the listeners with? Earth observation is a really exciting space, and I hope I could motivate uh, some people also to join uh, the journey. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any um, suggestions for topics that we should uh, cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. Um, You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. Um, You can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. Um, You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and, of course, seeing you at a future GeoMob event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.